I'm Timothy Putnam, and I'll be your host for the next hour. Each week, we gather right here to explore the foundations of our faith, to look at the implications of our faith on our daily lives, so that together, you and I can prepare to live outside the walls. Oh, I hope you're having a good day. Uh, it's a very exciting day over here. We're, we're now in, uh, in bluegrass country, right? We're up in beautiful Kentucky. Uh, and it's, a, it's an exciting day, not only because of that, but because today is my second daughter's birthday. That's right. Uh, she is turning seven today. And this is a super exciting day for her. She is exceptionally stoked. And the reason that she is stoked is not because of presence. It's not because uh, we're in a new place. It's not because any of these things, it's not because we have, uh, uh, you know, we're, we're settled finally. No, she is super stoked because this is the year, uh, starting today, that she will get to receive First Communion. And she is out of her mind excited. Now, <laughs> there's a couple of reasons for that. Uh, we have, uh, I guess in the last, probably in the last year, we've started... Uh, we used to just all go forward and the kids, you know, they, that are too young for communion, they, they cross their arms in front of them and they get a blessing and then we all go sit down. But, but here's the thing, you get a blessing. Everybody in the whole church gets a blessing at the end of mass, right? Bow down for the blessing. That's, uh, the, that's the priestly blessing that you receive. The other thing that really frustrated me is that as a lay person, you know, if you, we've got extraordinary ministers of Holy Communion, you go forward in that line, and they still try to bless the kid, and it's like, well, I'm, I'm happy that you want good things for my child, but substantively, there is, there is a definite difference between the wishes and well wishes of a lay person and the blessing of a priest. Now, uh, I bless my children, right? I can bless my children because I have authority over my children. My wife can bless our children because she has authority over the children. Uh, but in terms of passing on the blessing, uh, which maybe we should do a show on that sometime. I, I'm, just, I'm just rambling now. Uh, in terms of actually giving the blessing, that's something that is reserved uh, or, or not even reserved to them, but it, it is something that's part of the charism that comes with uh, holy orders. So that's the deacon or the priest, or the bishop. Uh, and so there's something in that, that uh, it's the word ontological change, that which is the, the, the actual being of the person is changed through uh, the holy orders, through that sacrament. Uh, that's what allows them to give that blessing. And so, you know, we're sitting in the line with uh, the extraordinary minister of Holy Communion, which is fine. Uh, but when they try to bless the kids and then how do you explain to the kids? And it's like, well, okay, that's what you do. You're here. Okay. We're good. So uh, in the last probably year, we've started making the kids that can't receive communion. We've started making them stay in the pew. And, uh, you know, a, a friend of mine brought this up, uh, Anthony Kaiser. He's the director of youth and young adults for the diocese of Tulsa, where I served uh, for four years as family life director. And he was raised that way. And he said it created in him such a deep desire to actually be able to go forward and receive the Eucharist uh, that made it such a, an amazing event for him when he did receive First Communion. I'm like, well, I could see that. I could see how that would uh, 
would strengthen the experience. And so we we started doing that. And it was a kind of a scary thing because, you know, depending on how far back you sit, uh, I'm not so much worried about uh, who, you know, the people around them. I'm worried about them, right? I have a hard enough time when they're sitting right next to me in the pew to get them to sit still and not crawl under the pews and behave. And it's like, okay, and I'm going to get up and walk away from them. And, you know, I can furtively look back and say, are you still there? Okay. You know, we're good. I'm, I'm going to keep eyes on you. Right. Uh, until, until we're in the, the time to receive. And then I, as soon as I do that, I kind of whip back around. Okay. We're good. We're good. <laughs> uh, but I have seen a very significant, um, desire in, in my daughter to be able to go forward. Uh, now there've been a couple of times where we've been visiting, uh, back in Oklahoma, or we've seen a, a priest that we love very much and we don't see him very often. And she's like, can I go, can I go forward and get a blessing? Well, yeah. Okay. We're in this situation. Yes, absolutely. You can do that. Uh, but it's been interesting to watch what that does to her heart to be able to wait and anticipate. And that's something that we don't do anymore in our immediate culture to wait and anticipate something. So uh, all that to say, today she turned seven and she is absolutely stoked because First Communion classes start very soon and before the year is out. Yes, before the year is out, uh, or at least before her birthday rolls around again, she will be able to receive the body, the blood, the soul, and divinity of Jesus Christ fully present in the Eucharist. Of course, that's what we believe. Uh, And we don't believe that it becomes physically the body, blood, soul, and divinity of Jesus Christ. We believe that it actually becomes the body, blood, soul, and divinity of Christ. And uh, our culture doesn't really allow for physically and actually to be different, right? Uh, If that's the actual table, then the actual table is made of whatever. Uh, It's made of wood, it's made of plastic, it's made of whatever that table's made of. And that's what makes a table a table. And uh, that's not what we're talking about when we say that the bread and the wine become the body, blood, soul, and divinity of Christ. Rather, we say that the the accidents, the properties, the physical properties stay exactly the same. And yet, what it is changes. I talk about, you know, a dollar bill. Uh, a dollar bill is just a piece of ink and paper. And yet, you're not going to tear it up when you're done with it like you would a piece of ink and paper. You're not going to crumple it up and throw it in the trash like you would with a note, ink and paper. Because that note, while it is made of ink and paper, uh, has become a dollar bill. It is something that is now different. It has different capabilities. And the same is true, uh, of course, every analogy is going to fall apart at some point, and we only have a little bit of time to talk. Uh, But now that has become... Uh, the body, the blood, the soul, and divinity of Christ. And it has the power to transmit the value of the thing it represents. And so now we no longer call it uh, bread and wine. We no longer call it paper and ink. We call it by what it transmits, by what it has become in its actuality, not in its physicality. Uh, And so now she is anticipating with, with great joy to receive the transmission of all the graces of God. And what, what a powerful thing that is. Oh, that we could, you and I, uh, go to every Mass expecting that we're going to receive 
Christ in all of his graces uh, and not just sit through a mass where we critique the choir and the selection of the hymns and the, <laughs> of course you never do that. I do that all the time. I was a, before I was Catholic, I was a, a music director. And so, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm awful. And so it's also such a strong and beautiful witness to watch my children get it right. They don't have the theology. They don't need it. They see that they're going to be in the presence of Jesus Christ uh, and what an, what an exciting thing that is. So that's our day today. Uh, it's filled with a family birthday party. We just now got to the, the Lexington area, so we're going to postpone just by a little bit the, uh, the actual party uh, until school starts because that's when we're going to meet all the new friends, right? you got to have that. Uh, and so we're trying to decide between a princess birthday party and a horse birthday party uh, because, of course, we are now in Kentucky. So I want to I know what you think. Why don't you go over to social media, facebook.com slash step outside the walls. On Twitter, the handle is at outside the walls. On Instagram, it is step outside the walls. Uh, and tag me. Tag me in your post and tell me what kind of party uh, my little seven-year-old girl should have, whether she should have a princess party or a horse party. And why don't you uh, link to some pictures, uh, serious ones only, please, uh, some pictures of what kind of party decorations you think we ought to have. That's what I want. I want you to give me pictures of party decorations. Uh, tag me on Instagram. It's Step Outside the Walls. On Facebook, it's Step Outside the Walls. On Twitter, it's at Outside the Walls. Uh, and we're going to have some fun with this. When we, when we come back, uh, I'm going to be talking with Devin Rose. He is the author of a brand new book called Navigating the Tiber, How to Help Your Friends and Family Journey Toward the Catholic Faith. Uh, a great little book uh, full of practical information for you, for you, not for the non-Catholic, uh, and it helps you engage in those conversations. And, and really, the, I think the goal of the book as I've read it is really just to help you have these conversations in such a way that by the end of the conversation, you don't both walk away feeling like you've been hit by a train. If both walk away not really wanting to engage in the conversation any further after this. Uh, and, and so I think it's an excellent book for that. Uh, he is a Texan. That's very important to know. Uh, he is an author of that book, Navigating the Tiber, also of the book, uh, The Protestant's Dilemma, also available on Catholic Answers Press, catholic.com. Uh, and he also has a brand new app called Pray. Uh, it's Pray, if you go to the iOS store and type in Pray Catholic, and it's this great little app that helps you, helps me, uh, to begin to pray novenas. If you're like me, uh, that's not necessarily the easiest thing to do to remember to pray the same thing nine days in a row. Uh, this app is going to help you with that, and it's going to help you really engage in your prayer life in a new uh, and, and varied way, help you explore some novenas maybe you've never heard of. Uh, so don't go anywhere. We'll be right back with Devin Rose here on Outside the Walls. Don't forget, go over to social media. Facebook.com slash step outside the walls. Twitter, the handles at outside the walls. Uh, let me know what you think. We'll be right back after this. You're listening to Outside the Walls.
Welcome back to Outside the Walls. I'm your host, Timothy Putnam. Thanks for sticking through the break. Glad to have you here today. All right, we were going to do it last week, but you know, we had to delve into those sensitive topics last week. If you missed it, it was quite a show. We talked about hashtags versus dialogue. You can catch that on the podcast over at OutsideTheWalls.com. But finally, we are here. We're talking with Devin Rose. Uh, he is an author. I got a couple of books out, uh, the brand new one called Navigating the Tiber, uh, available through Catholic Answers, catholic.com. Uh, he, he is a, uh, gosh, uh, it's not wannabe, that sounds harsh, uh, a, a desirous, a deeply desirous to be a farmer. Uh, that didn't work out because he is a computer programmer and, and he's got a day job. Uh, and part of that is a brand new app that I want to talk about. We'll start there. We'll end up with the new Navigating the Tiber book. Devin, thanks for being with us today. Thank you, Timothy. And I don't mind being called a wannabe farmer. I am definitely a wannabe. <laughs> so I want to talk to you about uh, your, you're a computer programmer and you've come out with this new app. Now I've got it on iOS and everyone in the world, in my mind, has an Apple device. But I know there are people out there who have Android or, or you know, some other thing. For those who are not on flip phones, uh, which platforms is the new Novena app on? So right now it is only iOS. Okay. And um, if enough people like the app and use it, then we'll port it over to Android. But I wrote it, you know, I wrote it myself with my neighbor in mm-hmm. my spare time. So it's we had kind of had to choose which platform we were going to start with to see if there was any traction. I had a priest who told me that uh, apples are sanctified computers. <laughs> so uh, I don't know if that's true or not, but a priest said it, so it must be right. Yeah. <laughs> so I want to talk to you about this app because I, my wife and I, we came into the church around 2011. Uh, and in that time, my spiritual life has developed and I've, I've had a, a spiritual director. I've, uh, you know, gone through a number of personal conversions. But one of the things that I had never done, I'd never successfully prayed a novena. Uh, mm. not because I, I didn't have aspirations of it, but it means remembering it nine days in a row at the same time. And to me, I have enough trouble remembering to pray Compline or to pray the Liturgy of the Hours, which is that which is there every day right in front of you, much less something extra. Uh, and so this app, it's called Pray. You can get it in the Apple Store. Uh, it, it sends you reminders every day. And if you miss a day, it sends you a reminder and says, oh, you finished praying today. That's great. Do you want to catch up? <laughs> <laughs> yes. And I know that because I had to. Uh, <laughs> But, you know, it's there and it's a reminder and it's like this little uh, thorn in your side every day. It's like, oh, yeah, I'm supposed to pray, and which, you know, that's not how you're supposed to pray in Ovina. But it was there and it drew me into it. And I prayed the full uh, Mary, uh, Mary Undoer of Knots Novena. Uh, first Novena ever, thanks to technology. Well, I mean, Timothy, that is one of the main goals of the app because I have started many novenas and not finished them. And so the fact that you said that it helped you to complete a novena is music to my ears. One of the main goals has been accomplished. I tell you, I I was a little surprised because I picked Mary Undoer of Knots because it seems to be a very uh, applicable one to a certain stage in my life. It's one that Pope Francis himself has a devotion to. 
Uh, and so I'm in it, and it's like, this is a great prayer. I'm really focusing on it, day one, two, three, four, five. And then I think it was either day seven or eight, and all of a sudden I open it up, and it's like, instead of just a little prayer, it says, pray the first three decades of the rosary. I'm like, wait a second. Uh, this was like a five-minute prayer. What happened? <laughs> so you know what happened, Timothy? This is funny. So I get to control all the novenas. Well, a guy messaged me and said, hey, you've got the shortened version. I'd really like the traditional long version of the novena. Uh I went into the back end and I edited the novena and I thought (laughs) everyone who's in the middle of praying this is going to be like, what the heck? Now I got the rosary <laughs> and you were one of the people praying it. You know, it's really interesting because I thought, well, maybe that's just how this novena goes, that certain uh, certain length in is like, now we've got you. Now you have to pray more. <laughs> hey, but it worked out. It and did. By the way, so World Youth Day is coming up and mm-hmm. we are doing with the app an effort to get as many Catholics as possible praying the Pope. St. John Paul II, Novena for All the Pilgrims Going to Poland. It'll begin July 23rd, so that uh, in nine days it'll coincide with the last day of World Youth Day right. with Pope Francis and all that. Now, I, got, I have a couple of questions for you. Uh, so you said that you've got exclusive uh, access to the back end. Uh, when, when I started out, some of these novenas are, are set to a day as the best time to pray them. Uh, some of them are pray them at any time, but there was a, a smaller list to begin with. Uh, how would someone go about suggesting a novena uh, for addition to this program? Yeah, in, in the the pray uh, novena app, there is a plus button mm. in the upper right of the screen. When you hit that, it will uh, bring up your email. It will email me directly and. Um, you can request the specific novena you want. And I'm just checking today. I've got one, two, three, four, five requests today, 10 requests yesterday. So th- what I'm doing is I, I'm not ignoring them. I'm queuing them up and putting them into the histogram bin so that I can mm-hmm. choose the ones that are most popular and add them. Okay, excellent. So uh, this app, really easy to download. It bothers you every day. <laughs> Once you've said, I'm in the middle of a novena, it's going to remind you. So if you're like me and you have a little bit of problem remembering, hey, I'm supposed to be praying in the middle of something, or maybe uh, maybe you're a person who you're not really all that comfortable praying yet. Maybe you have a hard time praying and you don't even know where to start. This is a great app to help you even just know how to start into that discipline of prayer. And I, I'm just highly encourage you to go check that out. Uh, I, it's the Apple Store, iOS. Uh, any iOS device, if you've got an iPhone, an iPad, a uh, what, the iPod Touch, whatever iPod you ha- whatever you have there, go on over, uh, look for the Pray app, uh, and download it. And your life will be filled with reminders. Hey, you're supposed with to pray the, with yeah, with very ge- gentle thorns in your flesh. And search for Pray Novena or Pray Catholic Novena, because if you just search for Pray, there's like a Islamic Ramadan app that was number one, <laughs> and, and, and I think some Protestant one. Uh, we, we knocked them off the top briefly, but then they, they went back up. There's a lot of Muslims. Yeah, the Pray app, you've got a, a nice little blue square with a cross and a little red hill that that crosses on. That's the one you're looking for. Uh, so I encourage you to do it. Now, let's talk a little bit about... Uh, the other, the flip side, because you are a, a tech person like myself, uh, you you like the gadgets and the gizmos, and you thought, hey, I've got a great idea. Let's take my whole family and go live in dirt. 
right? You wanted to be uh, a little bit closer. And of course, man, I'm the first one. I, I have this grand idea of localism and living locally and being connected to my food. And, and I, I've, I've got this grandiose idea that I'm going to do this. Uh, and you did it. And, uh, and then you wrote a book about it. Talk to me about those experiences. Yeah, we, for seven years, my wife and I dreamed of having uh, a farm with pastured chickens, grass-fed cows, a Jersey milk cow, all that. So we, uh, I'm from Central Texas. We bought some acres of land, and we went out, and for about two years, we tried to farm. Um, now, I did keep my day job because... I thought that this could fail, and it did. <laughs> um, I herniated a disc in my lower back doing manly farm stuff, and um, that spelled the end of it. But in the meantime, I mean, I learned how to do electric fencing, milk a cow, buy a cow, sell a cow, find heritage breeds, uh, identify venomous snakes <laughs> hopefully not from experience <laughs> we we fortunately know that one of the things on the farm for those of us who have children in our area there's um there's rattlesnakes and copperheads both very venomous and they're all around i was scared i had a one-year-old and a three-year-old at the time uh, I could not let them out of my sight because if they went crawling over or walking over the wood pile mm -hmm. there could be a copperhead there and that quite honestly scared me a lot. Uh, mm -hmm. And that was something I didn't think of when I thought of moving to the farm. I just thought it'd be so nice. Right. Um, so there's, there's a lot of pitfalls. I ended up writing, just self-published a Kindle book. It's a hundred pages or something called Farm Flop, um, a city dweller's guide to failing on a farm in two years or less. <laughs> it's two ninety nine. If you, if you like Timothy dream of having a farm, do yourself a favor and read it and, and learn from our mistakes. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, we uh, we spent about a month and a half out in Colorado Springs, out in just half of its ravines, half of its, uh, uh, gosh, uh, plains, right out outside with a view of the Pikes Peak. And you're just out there, and there is, if you don't have to keep the farm going, there is this sense of... Uh, freedom, at least we had it because, you know, there aren't very many stakes out there. We had the freedom to let the kids just go and explore. And it was amazing to see the imaginations uh, expand so much more than when they're sitting in an urban setting with fences all around. And so even if, even if you never make it out to the farm, even if you uh, don't ever get uh, your own place to keep up, by all means, take the time to go out away from the city uh, where the stars are clear, and 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 put your kids out to where they experience something other than asphalt and uh, manicured grass, right? Yeah, amen. And we still maintain friendships with farming friends, so that we can go out there on weekends and et cetera, and get to give the children that experience. Yeah. Well, we've got a lot more to talk about. We're going to talk about uh, Devin's new book, Navigating the Tiber, available on Catholic Answers, uh, and much more. Don't go anywhere. Uh, join the conversation over at facebook.com slash step outside the walls. On Twitter, the handle is at outside the walls. I want to know what you think. Talk to me about uh, your experience with prayer, your experience with the outdoors, uh, much more to come right after this. You're listening to Outside the Walls.
Welcome back to Outside the Walls. I'm your host, Timothy Putnam. Oh, got a great show. We're talking with Devin Rose, computer programmer, uh, failed farmer, right? Uh, with all the love I can muster. Uh, author, you've written a couple of books. You've got The Protestant's Dilemma, which is a re-release of a previous book. Uh, it's out with uh, Catholic Answers. And this new book, Navigating the Tiber, of course, they're, they're both uh, directed at bringing about conversion for people who are outside of the Catholic Church who may have interest, but they have different directions. The Protestant's Dilemma is really a book that's written in the, uh, the philosophical dialogue style, uh, and it's written for the, the non-Catholic uh, and it basically follows the logical conclusion of some of the doctrines of the the Protestant faith. And, and of course, when we even even when we say Protestant faith, there are many different branches which have very different beliefs, which you get to in this brand new book, Navigating the Tiber. Uh, and this book is more for the Catholic who is engaged in conversation with a non-Catholic. Uh, and so, if you have a friend that uh, they keep bringing up objections and you don't know how to answer. Well, you Catholics worship Mary. Well, no, no, we don't. Yes, you do. I mean, how do you, how do you answer those kinds of questions? Then this is the book for you. Uh, it's a very easy, accessible book that's going to help you not just with the answers, but with the dialogue itself. It's going to help you to approach that person on their terms rather than uh, just trying to continually push forth your perspective. So talk to me a little bit, uh, Devin, about where this came from, uh, what spurred you to write this book, and uh, and what you hope to accomplish with it. Yeah, Timothy, you perfectly summarized it. The This book, which was written about the same time as uh, The Protestant's Dilemma, but it sat on, on the shelf for about <laughs> five years, it came out of many years of dialogue with Protestant's uh, in particular, one of my friends, George, who um, I dedicated the book to, he still doesn't know that yet, by the way, but um, he was a cradle Catholic. We'd sit together at lunch talking with Protestant co-workers and an ongoing series of dialogues that lasted months. And after every single talk, he would pull me aside and say, why did you bring up that topic? And then why did they say this? What were they thinking? Mm-hmm. And he and I had many discussions on the side where I was mentoring him about the psychology of Protestants, about why they think that, the, all the different doctrines that are, that are lenses through which they see the faith. I wanted to be able to give every Catholic that apologist sitting right next to them guide. Uh, that, as you said, it's not just arguments like in the Protestant's Dilemma. There's a lot of soft skills and psychology and what is that Protestant uh, wanting to do? Well, he wants to argue Bible verses. So mm-hmm. eventually you have to do that. And so that's where that book came from. You know, there, there's a, a statement about England and America that we are two nations divided by a common language, right? <laughs> and in a lot of ways, that's true of, of Catholicism and Protestantism, that we are two uh, faiths, even though we are, we're all Christian, but we, we are two approaches to the faith separated by a common scripture, right? We're using the, the same book, but the lens through which that's viewed, the dictionary, as it were, for the language of faith is drastically different, right? And so 
I love just right there in the very early chapters, you go through and give a basic summary of the branches that you'll find in Protestantism and which ones are kind of allied closely together and which ones are pretty much diametrically opposed. You've got some that that view Scripture as a very uh, absolute black and white, 100% objective, literal book. And then you have people on the complete other end of the spectrum uh, who don't believe that at all, and it's all within Protestantism. Uh, And so uh, I really appreciate that what you do in this book is to really start with the framework of first recognize who it is you're talking to. Who are you talking to? Because as much as there are people out there who spend their whole life uh, doing apologetic work, uh, for most of us, we need to realize that we're having conversations with our friends and our family, and we have to allow them to be who they are uh, and not expect them to fit into the, the mold of the standard answer. Right, exactly. Yeah, I mean, I've got, I'm from Texas. I have a Uncle Rusty who's from the panhandle of Texas. And, uh, you know, he's the most dyed-in-the-wool Baptist you'll ever meet. Mm-hmm. This guy, you're not going to be able to go into exegesis on Matthew 16, 18 and the Petrine primacy. Mm-hmm. That doesn't work. He needs a whole other way uh, approach and it starts with of course friendship and love getting to know him talking with him asking questions really wanting to understand you know who who how did he get to know jesus and what does he believe and from there you've got to tailor uh, Uh your approach and that's where the holy spirit's going to guide you this is a framework to use i try to give you the 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 fishing rod and reel so that you can go fishing uh, and find the answers for yourself that might be out in other books or church documents or right. uh, whatnot. You know, th- there are so many people out there who uh, are amateur apologists who who perceive that the goal of discussion is to win the argument rather than to win the person. Uh, you know, when you, you've got St. Paul uh, on the Areopagus just uh, on a hill just below the, the Parthenon overlooking the city of Athens. And he's out there and he sees all of the idols around him and he sees the one to the unknown God. And so he tailors his discussion to those people, right? He says, I perceive that you're a very religious people. He doesn't start off, you know, tossing all the idols down and telling them how awful they are. And I think part of it is we have to realize that uh, we don't have to end a 30-minute discussion with them being fully convinced, we have to end a 30-minute discussion with them more curious than anything else. Yeah, and one of the steps of conversion that Sherry Waddell talks about in her uh, book, Forming Intentional Disciples, is curiosity. Eventually, someone has to get curious. They have to see something in you as a Catholic that makes them interested enough, uh, and you want to continue to whet that curiosity Mm-hmm. You want them to go away, right? Not feeling like they just got beat up and, <laughs> right. and hating you, but instead, hey, that was an interesting argument. And a lot of times when you make a good point, it's best just to leave it there mm-hmm. to, to, for them to, to ruminate on and chew the cut on, to use the farming analogy. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it's, a, it's a common thing that we just feel flustered. We get real flustered with they bring something up and we don't know how to answer it. 
And you, you talk about it in here, and I've, I think it's one of the best uh, answers you can give is, you know, I don't rightly know right now. Let me, let me take some time and go look that up and come back to you. Yeah, and that is, that is a powerful response because it shows humility and honesty. And it's what you want them to say, too. You don't want them to say, well, blah, 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 even if they're just spouting nonsense. You'd rather them say, let me go and think about it. And now maybe they come back with the most polemic, anti-Catholic response from some fundamentalist pastor. Well, at least they went and looked, and then you can see what that person said, and mm-hmm. you can research and answer and respond. Yeah. So uh, this book, uh, Navigating the Tiber, How to Help Your Friends and Family Journey Toward the Catholic Faith. Uh, it's available on Catholic Answers Press. You can get to it at catholic.com. Uh, and, you know, I, I, I encourage you to go take a look. There, now, some of the language in here is is really tailored for you as the Catholic. This isn't the book you're going to go pick up uh, and give to all your friends. Uh, because basically, there's several sections in this book where it says, cool your jets, bro, right? Slow down. Uh, sometimes you have to change topics. Sometimes you have to change tactics. Sometimes you have to say, you know, I'm going to let this one sit for a while and I'm not going to push the issue with this person. Uh, and so this is not the kind of book that uh, a non-Catholic is going to be able to pick up and really appropriate the information very well. No, in, in that in that regard, it is specifically for Catholics. Now, maybe some ninja Protestants will buy it and see our our secret trick book Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's fine because they'll be interested enough where they'd want to know and maybe but but someone who would do that would already be close to becoming mm-hmm. Catholic anyways, most likely. Mm-hmm. This is a book for us as Catholics to use in discussions. Yeah. Now if you are looking for that book that you can just put in the hands of one of your Protestant friends, one of your non Catholic friends, that book is called The Protestant's Dilemma, also by the author, uh, who, oh, <laughs> wait, Devin Rose, who we just happened to have on the, the, uh, on the show with us today. So now you've written these two books. You've written The Farm Flop. Uh, did you ever think that being an author was in your future? <laughs> no, definitely not. And for, um, I don't know, for, I've been Catholic 15 years now. And uh, these books came, you know, two, three years ago. And then just recently, um, I had no more aspirations than having a blog Mm -hmm. and sharing my eccentric Catholic life of doing, you know, Catholic young adult stuff or something. So in in part, just briefly, it was through actually uh, my vocation to marriage with my wife, where she said, hey, have you thought about writing some of this? down. And you know what? I wrote some of it down. I sent it to four Catholic publishers. They all rejected it. And that's why I self-published the first book that then Catholic Answers completely we revised and rewrote to become The Protestant's Dilemma. Yeah, I I get that. My wife is the reason I'm in radio. So uh, sometimes, sometimes that, that vocation is there to push us into uncomfortable places. Well, we're talking with Devin Rose today, author of Navigating the Tiber, available on Catholic Answers, catholic.com. You can also get to his blog. We'll put a link up on our social media, facebook.com slash step outside the walls, and Twitter, the handle is at outside the walls. Join that conversation. Go take a look at his blog, St. Joseph's Vanguard, and much, much more. Uh, we'll be right back after this. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to Outside the Walls.
Welcome back to Outside the Walls. I'm your host, Timothy Putnam, and it's been an interesting week. Uh, lots of interactions on Facebook. Uh, were you one of them? Well, let me know, right? Lots of people have been talking to me on Twitter, uh, and I hope that you're one of them. Uh, Facebook.com slash Step Outside the Walls. On Twitter, you can talk to me. The handle is at Outside the Walls. And of course, if you're on Instagram, uh, that one is also Step Outside the Walls. Uh, so if you can't get enough of my my opinions and troublemaking in this one hour a week, have no fear. Uh, you can you can interact all week long over social media um, because that seems like a fun way to spend your day, right? And if you if you uh, hear something on the show that you like or that you absolutely hate, <laughs> and you want other people to join in your opinion of that thing, uh, I, I don't mind which way it is, oh, go ahead and share it. You can get the archives over at OutsideTheWalls.com, and also over there, you can get to my blog. Yes, there's just more and more stuff. Uh, the blog is on the Pathios Network. It's called A Belief Observed, but you can get to it through my website, OutsideTheWalls.com. And I tell you, uh, it's been really interesting being on the Pathios Network. I have blogged several times in my life and uh, just really kind of for myself. You know, I don't expect anyone to actually read it, just like I used to have opinions and didn't expect anyone to actually listen. Uh, and now I'm, I'm here with you, right? Uh, well, it's the same thing with, with Pathios. Now I'm writing these things, and, and sometimes I think they're okay, and sometimes I'm like, eh, well, you know. Uh, it's been really a shock, to see, to go, you know, you go on Facebook, I share something on Facebook and it gets like two shares. I'm like, well, and there it's like my mom and, uh, <laughs> and my wife. Yeah, pretty much. But, uh, when I go to the blog itself and I look at the bottom of the blog, it shows how many times something's been shared. And I wrote a post about, um, about Mark Shea, actually one of our co-hosts here on the Breadbox Media Network. He's got the show connecting the dots every weekday. And, uh, I, I wrote a blog post about Mark Shea because he last week was just very humble in a very specific uh, interaction. And, you know, on Facebook, he's got this very brash persona. But someone approached him and, and uh, showed genuine concern and care for him, and he responded in kind. Uh, and so I, I wrote a blog post because he, he has this little um, uh, self, it's not self-loathing, maybe, maybe. It's kind of, I'm not sure if it's a shtick or not, right? It could be actually real. Uh, but he has this, uh, this thing that he does. So I, I felt the need to kind of jump in there because when, when I was up in Portland, right, I was up in Portland a couple of weeks ago, I had the opportunity for the first time to actually sit down face to face with the Shea. And uh, he is a delightful person to be around. So if you've never heard his show, or if you don't even know who it is I'm talking about, then download the Breadbox Media app uh, and listen every weekday at 5 p.m. Eastern to Connecting the Dots with Mark Shea. He brings on lots of different hosts, uh, Stephen Gradanis, uh, Tom Coran, just a whole bunch of other folks. Uh, Simka Fisher's on there on a regular basis, and he just has conversations with these people he really likes, and it, it's uh, it's a hoot. So go ahead. <laughs> yes, I just said it's a hoot. It's a hoot nanny, right? No, great show. Go download it. Go listen uh, and uh, enjoy yourself. But all of this to say, I went. I went on a little tangent there. 
Uh, I wrote this blog post about Mark Shea, and it just absolutely blew my mind because you go to the bottom of the post and it's like shared 5 million times. Not really, more like 96. But to me, that's like 5 million, right? Because I'm used to seeing the, you know, ones and twos click off. And I'm like, well, you know, maybe I think some people, uh, some people see this. I love it, though, when somebody comments that I've never met, right? That's when I know, okay, we're doing okay here, right? When, when the folks from Tulsa, and I love all you guys in Tulsa, but when the folks from Tulsa, they comment, it's like, oh, well, it's like when your mom comments. They, they have to say something because, you know, they, I was around them for so long. But when someone that I've never met comments, man, that just makes my day. So I want you to go make my day right now. That's right. Go over to social media, facebook.com slash step outside the walls. On Twitter, the handle is at outside the walls. And now uh, we have wasted so much time with this segment. Uh, I want to talk to you uh, about the, the reading from church history. We're not going to go back very far this time at all. Actually, we're going to go back to 1987. Uh, I'm sure you remember 1987, right? So we're not going back very far at all. But as uh, he, he mentioned it just really briefly when we were talking with Devin Rose. He mentioned that World Youth Day is coming right up, just around the corner. And uh, if you, today is the beginning of a novena uh, f- praying for the travelers going to World Youth Day in Poland. And so I want you to go to your, if, you're, if you've got an iPhone, iOS device of any kind, go and download the Pray Novena app. It's just called Pray, but if you type in Pray Novena, it'll be the one that pops up. Go download it and start that novena today, and uh, we're going to read today from Church History the message from Pope John Paul II that opened uh, the Second World Youth Day in 1987. Now, the Second World Youth Day was also the first International World Youth Day, and so we're going to read the second section, because, you know, all the encyclicals, all the letters, all the addresses, they're broken into sections and numbered, right, just to make things easy. So we're going to come to that second number and read what Pope John Paul II, now St. Pope John Paul II, said to the attendees of World Youth Day 1987. The theme of this World Day places before our eyes the witness of the Apostle St. John when he exclaims, We ourselves have known and put our faith in God's love toward ourselves. In this regard, I would like to remind you of a thought I expressed in my first encyclical. Man cannot live without love. He remains a being that is incomprehensible for himself. His life is senseless if love is not revealed to him. He does not experience it and make it his own if he does not participate intimately in it. And how much more this reality holds good for the life of the young. During this phase of special responsibility and hope, development of the person, definition of the meaning and the great ideals and projects of life, and aspiration to truth and to the attainment of genuine happiness. It is in this period of our life that we most have a need to feel ourselves recognized, supported, listened to, and loved. You know very well, in the depths of your heart, that the satisfactions afforded by a superficial hedonism are ephemeral and leave nothing but emptiness in our soul, that it is illusory to enclose ourselves in the shell of our own egoism, that all indifference and skepticism contradict the noble aspirations of a love that knows no frontiers, 
and that the temptations of violence and of ideologies which deny God can only lead to a dead end. Since man can neither live nor understand himself without love, I want to appeal to you to grow in humanity, to give absolute priority to the values of the Spirit, and to transform yourselves into new men by increasingly recognizing and accepting the presence of God in your life. The presence of a God who is love, of a Father who loves each one of us for the whole of eternity, who created us by love, and who loved us so much that he gave up his only Son to forgive us our sins, to reconcile us to him, and to enable us to live with him in a communion of love which will never end. The World Day of Youth should therefore prepare us all to accept this gift of love of God by which we are transformed and by which we are saved. The world anxiously awaits our witness of love, a witness born from a deep personal conviction and a sincere act of love and faith in the risen Christ. This is what is meant by experiencing love and believing in it. That is the second paragraph, or the second section, of the message of His Holiness St. Pope John Paul II to the youth of the world on the occasion of the Second World Youth Day in 1987, the first International World Youth Day. And uh, this year it's going to be in Poland. And I tell you, I've, I've, haven't been a whole lot of many places in the world, but one of the places I have been and had the pleasure of going to uh, is Poland. And I went there, gosh, senior at the end of my senior year in high school, I went on a little mission trip uh, with my non-Catholic Christian school way back in the day. And uh, I tell you, it's probably one of my favorite places on earth. Got to spend uh, several days in Warsaw and Krakow. And uh, now, as a Catholic, many years later, looking back through some of those pictures and seeing uh, the beauty of those places and remembering the spirit of those people who were just fabulous and generous. Uh, those of you who are going, if you know someone going on World Youth Day, uh, they're going to have just a fantastic time. Uh, pray for them. Uh, pray for them using the Novena, which you can get on the Pray app on the iOS store, Pray Novena. And uh, there's a, a Novena to St. Pope John Paul II. Uh, just these these nine days leading up to World Youth Day starts today. So make sure that you go download that app. As soon as you're done listening to this show, uh, I want you to pull out your phone, your iPad, or your iPod Touch, and I want you to download that app and get that started. Well, if you just love this show, then you need to be a friend of the show. You do, because we've got exclusive giveaways. We have uh, exclusive content, things that you are going to want to be a part of. If you appreciate this show, then why don't you go over to breadboxmedia.com, go down to click friend of the show and find my name, click it, $10 a month, you're enrolled in uh, monthly giveaways, exclusive giveaways and exclusive content. And that is all the time we have for this week. But don't be sad, you can still talk to me over on facebook.com slash step outside the walls. Twitter, the handle's at Outside the Walls, and Instagram is also Step Outside the Walls. Outside the Walls is a co-production of Breadbox Media and St. Michael Radio, heard around the world on live streaming, terrestrial radio, and podcast. Until next week, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace.